Uh, we're going to be looking at um, uh, a series uh, that I want to do. Um, it's called, uh, in light of everything that's been going on, I want to do worship. I feel that this is what God wants us to do. I feel that this is God's heart. Um, and I feel that it's appropriate uh, for this time. We'll get back into Luke um, at a later date. But now, for now, we're going to be getting into worship. And we're going to be uh, starting in our um, series in the book of Revelation, chapters 4, uh, verses 1 through 11, and chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. So follow along with me um, as I read. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he was sitting with like a jasper stone, and a sardis in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones they saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like a crystal, and in the center around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and because of your will, they existed and were created. And now we'll get into and, uh, our other passage. Uh, chapter 5, verse 11, Revelation. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in, which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And may God add the blessing to the reading of his word. And we're going to be looking at um, three uh, specific points today. And we're going to be looking at a scene in heaven the throne and the worship of the creator and angels and all creation exalt the lamb. In the midst of all of everything that's going on recently these days with COVID-19 and, and the lockdown and people not 
and social distancing um, and people being laid off from work and people having difficulties uh, just making ends meet with no income coming in or little to no income coming in and with people being sick or people being lonely or afraid or um, uh, full of anxiety or fears and um, it's kind of it, it, we tend to focus on our those issues and those struggles and sometimes we uh, tend to put God last rather than putting him first in situations and times like these so the reality is is that um, God is primarily God is over all of these things and God is in control of all these things and we need to come to a place uh, where we see him first and we worship him first. So what we're going to be doing is, is that in this passage right here, John is in heaven. It's a scene in heaven and it's in the book of Revelation. And John gives us a firsthand view of the throne of God and him who sits on the throne and the appropriate response of those around the throne uh, to uh, the worship of God who is on the throne and to the Lamb. And so we're going to be following uh, how what worship looks like to God. Um, so let's get into our let's get into our message this morning. And remember, it's about worship. We sometimes we put our focus on our problems, but the the ultimate bottom line is that when we worship God. The problems seem to dissipate or disappear. But let's look at it. A scene in heaven, verses uh, Revelation chapter four, verses one through four. Well, look at this. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice that I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, and said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. And, the, and so we see here that John is in heaven, and he, he's in a place where a door comes open, and he sees and he peers into heaven place where God dwells and his heavenly beings dwell. And he hears a voice. And he hears a voice. Sounds like a trumpet. A loud trumpet. And it sounds like, a, um, and the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said, come up here and I will show you what must first take place. So it's this loud, booming, authoritative voice. Come up here. Come up here. We don't know. It doesn't name specifically who that voice belongs to. But as I was studying, we find out that this voice, it belongs to none other than God. And God was commanding John, the apostle, to come up into the very dwelling place, the very holy of holy places where God dwells. What a wonderful privilege John had to come into the presence of Almighty God. And it's funny is that when God calls, you listen. When God calls, you listen. And so God was calling John. And when John heard the call and the voice of God, what did he do? He responded and did what? He went into the place. He went to where God was. And it says immediately, not just second, seconds later, not momentarily, not a few minutes later, but immediately, I was. it says, I was in the spirit. In other words, he was in the presence of the, the spirit of God was 
uh, operating in him where he was cognizant and aware of the things of a spiritual nature that he wasn't or, wouldn't ordinarily have been cognizant or aware of. In other words, he was in tune with the spirit. He was uh, vibing with the spirit, so to speak. And he was talking with this, and, and the spirit was giving him the, the very presence uh, to be able to uh, recognize God and to be able to hear God and to be able to understand God and to be able to receive from God what God wanted him to say. So he was in that spirit. And often for us to really genuinely connect with God, sometimes, not sometimes, all the times, that we need to be a place in a place where we are in the spirit. In other words, the spirit is operating in us in such a way that we're so in tune that we hear, that we feel, that we sense, that we know the presence, um, that we see God with our spiritual eyes in a way that we would normally not be able to say that. And that walking in the spirit, um, there's a scripture passage where it says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if we're walking in the spirit, we're not going to fulfill those desires of, a, uh, of our own flesh. But that walking in the spirit means that we're going to be spending time in prayer with him, that we're drawing close to him. We're going to be spending time in worship with him. We're going to be spending time in the word with him. And we're going to be drawing in and then we're going to be in tune with the spirit because we've been spending time with them. We've been listening to them and we've been communicating with them. So we're going to, our spirits are going to be one with his spirit. And that's what it is to be in the spirit. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven. Now, I've never been in a palace and never been in the presence of a dignitary. I've never been in the presence of royalty. Um, but I had never seen a real live throne. But I can imagine, you know, some earthly thrones are pretty impressive. Um, I heard about, I read about King Solomon's throne and it sounded like that was pretty impressive. But I could, uh, in the Bible, but I can imagine what God's throne would have looked like. And I, and it, I can't, I can't even begin to, words wouldn't be able to begin to be able to describe what it would look like. But John is going to be um, trying to describe with, in human words, because God told him to write this down, he's going to try and describe in human words heavenly things, which are, it's going to be difficult because sometimes words are not able to articulate what uh, the things of God, how the things of God are, what the things of God are. There's not words that can accurately or be able to portray uh, the grandeur or the beauty or the majesty of what is being seen. And in this case, the throne of God, the place where God sits, the place where God dwells. And we hear and one sitting on the throne. Well, who is this one sitting on the throne? Well, um, the one sitting on the throne, as I've read and as I was studying, is none other than uh, they believe to be God. It's the one, who is the one, the only one, the one and only God himself, the Father, sitting on the throne. Now, God is not, God is invisible, and God, we don't see hear of many um, instances in Scripture where uh, they've seen God um, and where God appears. But this is one of those instances where God took on a form and God was able to be seen um, sitting on his throne. And John um, was trying to be able to articulate and be able to uh, explain um, what he saw, who he saw, 
on the throne. And words would fail to be able to describe completely or accurately or with some adequacy the, uh, the very presence of God himself sitting on the throne. And John had the privilege of being able to see God um, where few others have been able to see him. And so, um, and he was sitting on the throne and he was sitting like, and he who was sitting was like Jasper stone and Sardis in appearance. So in other words, God's appearance was like, a, there was like a brightness that came from him, like a, a, show, a, a Jasper stone or, or, or Sardis in appearance, a very bright stone, a very bright and almost blinding stone um, in appearance, the light that emanated from God. And so here God was so pure, God was so holy that his glory was uh, appeared like a, a bright and shining um, stones um, that uh, you almost couldn't, wouldn't even be able to look at. If you look in the Old Testament, Moses, when he was speaking to God on, on the mountain, um, had to be, God had to hide him between a rock so he could look at him when he was, when he first appeared to him. And so Moses was not able to see God because of the glory of God. He was able to see God, but only in the cleft of a rock. And so, um, and it was often said because of the glory of God, Moses's face was bronze or Moses's face was um, so uh, tanned because of the very presence of being in the presence of God. Um, and people couldn't even look at him because his face shone so much, looked at Moses because of he being in the presence of the glory almighty God. So this is what it must have been like, is that the glory and the presence of God was just shining brightly um, out there. And so we see here that um, he was, um, and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. Here on earth, we have rainbows and rainbows go from one end of the earth to the other. So it's like a half a rainbow, actually. We, we look at it as a complete rainbow, but it's not a circular rainbow. Here with God, there was a complete rainbow where meanings that there was, there's no beginning, there's no end, there's a completeness. There is a, with God, there's always completeness. There's no beginning and there's no end. And there's um, a circular rainbow there that, brightly shines the colors uh, and the majesty of God around the throne. And around the throne, verse 4, 24 thrones, and upon those thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments. It's talking about, um, from what I understand, as scriptures teach, it's talking about the 12 tribes of Israel, um, and it's talking about the, um, the 12 apostles. And it's connecting the Old Testament with the New Testament. The, uh, the beginning and the and the end, um, and here we are with these twelve, with these twenty-four elders, um, the new and the old coming together, uh, sitting around the throne of God, being able to worship God, being in the very presence of God. That would have been an awesome, awesome, awesome um, experience to be able to have, to be able to sit in the very presence of God. I would have been like shaking my boots, thinking, "Wow, I'm in the very presence of God." I don't think words. I would have been able to speak anything. I, I just, the very being in awe of who God is. But let's go on here and to our, go on to our second point. It says the throne and the worship of the creator. What it looks like to be worship, what worship looks like um, in heaven. And what, um, and who are those who give it in heaven? The throne and the worship of the creator. So we see the throne and out from the throne comes what? Verse five. 
flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. So we see lightning going here. And I can imagine lightning. I, I've seen some pretty impressive lightning bolts in my life, but I can imagine that these were, these were, uh, these, uh, the ones that I've seen could never compel in comparison to the lightning bolts that were coming from out of there. And the thunder, I've heard some really loud thunder in my days. And recently we've had uh, thunder um, uh, and, and the storms that we had, and they've been really, really loud. But I imagine the thunder and the lightning that came from here can't even, can't, um, uh, God's thunder and lightning um, and the creation here can't compare to God's. Um, because God, I can imagine it was like the lightning, the, the, the thunder, wow, boom. And it's, it's like John couldn't be able to begin to describe um, all of those things. And we see, um, and there were seven lamps of fire burning around the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Um, and there's some debate as so far as um, the seven spirits of God, but some believe that they are the, uh, the seven works of God, uh, uh, works of the spirit of God. Um, and so there's a, so there's some debate on as what as far as that is, but it's, it has to do with the work of the Holy Spirit and the work that he does. So, um, and he, and we see here, and before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass. So we see that there's this lightning going, and there's light, and there's lightning, and there's thunder. And then right before the throne, we see that there's this sea of glass. In other words, the clearest glass that you could see, and the and the smoothest glass that you could imagine. And you could see all your reflections in it. And could you imagine it with God sitting at the head of it, and His reflection, and His and the lightning, and the thunder, and everything just reflecting off of that glass and the beauty and the majesty and the grandeur of who God is in the very, in his very presence being right there. And we see before the throne like crystal and the center of the throne and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. So we see that there is these creatures that God has created. Um, all of these creatures that God has um, uh these creatures that some of them are usual, some of them are unique, but they're creatures that God's created uh, to worship him and to serve him. And these are uh, individuals that are in heaven. Uh, they're doing uh, worshiping him and serving him in heaven. And he gives a unique description. First one was like a lion, the second like a calf, the third had, had the face of a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within. And day and night, they do not cease to say what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Holy means special or set apart. Holy means extraordinary. It's not something that you would just treat as any old thing, but something that is special, something that is unique, something that you treat with respect and honor and reverence. And so these four living creatures do what? They come and they cry out, holy, 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 is the Lord God, the Almighty. So we see here that these creatures were there worshiping God and giving God the respect and the reverence that was due him.
And if you look at us in our approach to God, if you look at us in our relationship with God, uh, you look at us in, in how we approach him in worship, how do we come to him? Do we come to him with a heart where it says you are holy, that you are special, that you are set apart? Do we treat him as holy? Do we treat him as special? Do we treat him as set apart, as extraordinary? Do we come and bow before our face or do we treat him just like any old ordinary thing like we would treat another person? You would never speak to a dignitary. You never speak to a, a person of a high position any old way. You would speak with them with respect and with, with reverence and with honor. And how much more so God when we come to him and when worship, you acknowledge God for who he is and you, you approach him as a part of worship um, in that reverential, in that attitude where you acknowledge who he is, that he is holy. And that he see not only holy, but he's almighty. And not only is he almighty, the all-powerful one, he is, um, he is the one who was and who is and who is to come. The one who can do all things. The one who can, um, who is, has no beginning and no end. There has no uh, in between. He is, he was, he was the same yesterday. He's the same today, and he and he'll be the same tomorrow. And there's no changing with him. So he is God Almighty, the, the eternal God, the, the God whom no one created, whom no one will uh, end. And so uh, we are, and as a part of his, being a part of his people, we are to acknowledge that, that we can worship him as the eternal God. Amen. Um, and so these creatures were worshiping him, acknowledging God for who he is. And part of worship is acknowledging God for who he is, recognizing for who he is, and acknowledging him for who he is. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him, we sit on the throne to him who lives forever and ever, in verse 9. And the living creatures give glory. They give the glory. They give the honor. They give the due to God. In other words, if someone does a great job on something or someone accomplishes some great feat, you give them glory, you give them respect, or you give them the honor that's due them. You give them a, 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 an award because that's because they've earned that. Well, God is uh, glory and honor is due God for who He is and what He has done. And so, part of worship is giving God His due, saying, "God, you're glorious. God, thank you for what you have done." And you give Him the honor, God. It's you who has done this. It's not me. It's not my work. It's your work. It's what you have accomplished. It's what you have done. Um, and I'm giving you all the glory back. I'm giving you all the honor back. I'm giving you all the praise back. I'm acknowledging you for what you have done and who you are. And, and not only giving glory and honor and thanks to him. In other words, you acknowledge uh, with thank, a thankful heart. Um, that that, that, grat that gracious grat um, heart of gratitude says to God, thank you. Just like the... Um, the, uh, the leper, as I was preaching about last week, when he came back, he realized what God had done for him. And he realized that, God, yes, Jesus, you have done this for me, and I just want to thank you. And as a part, as he came back, he was, he was he, not only was he physically healed, but he was healed in the heart. And, and the reality is, is that when we have a heart of gratitude and we acknowledge and give God's glory in the due, 
it's through him. And we give him the credit for all that he has done. He brings healing to our souls. How much more should we, when God does things, give the glory to him, give the honor to him, give the thanks to him. And as a result, the leper was healed. And as a result, we give thanks to God, we'll be healed as well. And that's what worship does. Worship gives healing to the soul, gives healing to the mind, it brings his peace, it brings his joy, it brings his very presence into our soul and makes our soul well. Sin taints our soul, sin hurts our soul, sin brings destruction to our soul. But worship and joy and thanksgiving bring healing to our soul and make us whole and make us well and make our minds and our spirits alive again. And so that's what he wants us to do. And that's why it's a part of one of the gifts of worship is that when you worship and you truly worship in the spirit, as John was um, and his creatures were, that you have that healing power of God in your life. You have the healing power and that work that he wants to do in your heart, in your lives, in your soul, and bring real healing um, to you. And it's funny because I don't think any of us are who God um, has created us to be um, in the way. Sin has tainted us in many ways. And sin has uh, taken away um, so many of the, the wonderful aspects of who we are individually and uniquely. And as we worship um, and as we give thanks to God, God brings that healing in our souls and we become the people that he wants us to be, that he intended us to be, that he created us to be, the uniqueness that makes up each and every one of us. And so that's why we need to learn how to worship. That's why we need to learn how to come to the place of bowing down before him and, and giving him glory and giving him honor and giving him thanks because he's worthy of it. And in the same way, and we get that healing. Let's go on here. In verse 10, the, 20, the 24 elders fell down before him and sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne. So they're casting their crowns before God. And so now everyone is worshiping God. Everyone is bowing down before him. And so we see this heavenly um, exuberance of praise and of worship and of thanksgiving before God and who he is and because just because he's God and what he has done and what he has accomplished and who he is, these the creatures are bowing down and giving God their reverence. And I could just imagine what it must have been like there with the lightning and the peals of thunder and all the creatures worshiping and singing praises to God. And could you imagine that? And could you imagine the healing um, as you enter in, even here on earth, as you enter into those times of praise and worship to, to God and the spirit that during those times where it's, you get caught up in the heavenly experience of the worship of God. You get caught up in who he is. And as a result, you get healing for your own soul. And, the, and he say in verse 11, it says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And because of you, your will, they existed and were created. So we see here that they're giving God his worship. Work, the definition of worship is, Worship. In other words, you give God the worthy the, um, praise that He is um, that He deserves. And we see here that worthy are you, our Lord and our God. So, in other words, they recognize Him as their Lord, as their Master, as the one whom they serve, as the one whom they love, as the one whom they've given their lives to and their allegiance to. 
and our God, the one, our very God, you're my God and there is none other. I will serve you and I will love you, their Lord and their God. Receive glory and honor and power. Receive all the glory, all the due, all the praise. They receive all the honor, all the respect and all the uh, everything that you're deserving of God, we give it to you. And we give you the power, the, the power to do your name. We give that to you with all that that's in us. We give it to you. Um, and it's, it's funny how um, you, when you, you sometimes we have been talking about when you're trying to describe things in heaven, sometimes there, there can be a loss at words because words can't, earthly words cannot describe heavenly uh this heavenly picture sometimes, and it falls short or pales, falls short or fails, pales in comparison to what it actually is. And so here, for you, you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. So we see here that we give you the glory and the honor and the power, because it's all about Him. It's all about God, and He created all things. It says in first says in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He created all things, and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And so in other words, in, in John chapter 1, talking about Jesus, the Word, being in the beginning, creating things, creating the, the stars, um, the hundreds of billions of stars that are out there, and creating the um, all the vegetation, and the light, and the, and the moon, and the sun, and creating the, uh, the animals and creating the seas and creating the earth and creating us uh, humans as the pinnacle of his creation and creating us and all speaking these things into existence and God's glorious creative acts. Uh, we need to be able to praise him for that because you create all things, everything that we see that God has created and he's spoken these things and we, and because of these things, um, and they still exist because it's God's will for them to exist. And we see they were created. And therefore, because God has done this and God has created these things and because God has accomplished these things, we need to be able to go um, and be able to worship him. The first part of this, um, we see that we worship, they worship God because of who he is, who he is as God. Now we see they're worshiping God because of what he has done and what he has accomplished. So there's two aspects to worship. Number one, you worship God because of who he is. And if you look at scripture, it's replete with um, references to who God is and to his character and, and to what he's about as an individual, as a person. And then we see here as well, like what God has accomplished, what God has done, uh, what God has done from the beginning of creation. Um, and we see in creation, the creation speaks of the glory and the splendor and the majesty of God. And then you think about your own life. What has God accomplished? Not only has he accomplished all creation, he's created us in a unique and special way. He's created us as individuals, given us a unique mind and a unique heart and unique attitude. He's put, it in, put us in unique circumstances for our lives. And all because of God's plan and because of God's purpose. And we need to give him thanks and we need to give him praise for what he has done and we need to worship him because he has done wonderful things hasn't he he has saved us he's provided for us he's given us so many great and wonderful things hasn't he yes he has um our third and final point is is that angels and all creation exalt the lamb what is that going to look like um, 
for all creation to worship? What do they see that causes them to worship in such a way? So we see that um, we worship God, number one, because of, um, because of who he is. He is God Almighty. He is the creator. He is Lord. Um, we worship him because of his, he's, uh, he has created wonderful things. He's done wonderful things in our own lives. And then number three is that we're going to see that all, what causes others to worship him. And who are those others uh, that worship him? And so we see this scene in heaven, verses 11 through 14 of chapter 5. Um, then verse 11, it says, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. And a number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. That, so, he, so he looked, and again and he looked, and he heard the voice of many angels, many thousands of angels, myriads, thousands upon thousands of angels, a sea of angels and a sea of glass. And they see these angels there, and they are all um, before him. The creatures are there, the four living creatures. The elders are there, the 24 elders are there. And a number of the myriads of thousands upon thousands. And could you imagine that scene? We look at uh, sports events, and we look at them, and we see these big stadiums filled with thousands of people, and they're cheering their favorite team and hoping that their team will win. But could you imagine um, a, a place where there's thousands upon thousands of heavenly angels and heavenly creatures, and heavenly beings, um, and all creation worshiping God in one unison before him? Could you imagine that? I can't even begin to fathom. I think it's exciting. I love listening to worship music. I love listening to contemporary uh, music. Um, and because it, it brings me into the presence of the Lord. I really enjoy that. But I, I can't imagine being in the presence of angels and of heavenly beings and just being having that privilege of being able to be there in ecstasy um, in praise and worship and adoration of our God and our Father and our, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says it's, he's in the presence of the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? The Lamb is Jesus, the Lamb that spotless, blameless lamb that was killed and slain for us so that we could be forgiven. And so that's, and that's even enough to be able to worship him for our salvation. Yes, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me from the power of sin, from the, the penalty of death. You saved me and you've given me new life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done and all the power that you have allowed me to experience in my life and the relationship that I have with you, all because of you, Jesus, and the work that you have done, because you are the lamb that was slain. You are the lamb that was risen, and you are alive forevermore, and I worship you, and I bow down before you. Because it says they said with a loud voice, verse 12, and listen, this is all of them singing. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy, that means we're giving God his worship. We're giving God all that the Lamb, Jesus, all that is due unto him, giving him the worth that's due his name, and, and, and giving it to him um, who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Giving God everything that he is deserving of. He's deserving of all, all the blessings. He's deserving of all the honor. He's deserving of all the glory. He's deserving of all the dominion uh, forever and ever and ever and ever. 
He's worthy of all those things. And we need to tell him that. And we need to worship him for that. And we need to give him the glory that is due his name. Because again, as I've said, and as I've spoken about before, is that when we do, we bring healing to our own souls. And you talk, we talked about, I talked about in the beginning of the message about how we focus on our circumstances and, our, and focusing on our circumstances and our situation brings us down. It brings us anxiety. It brings us fear. It brings us doubts and trepidation. And it brings us um, uh, uh, depression sometimes. But when we look and we think and take time to worship him for who he is and what he has done, that brings healing to our souls. And we bring and we have peace floods our souls and the joy floods our souls. And we have that life that comes only from Jesus. And we see here in verse 13, it says, And every created thing which is in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and the sea, and all things in them, I heard saying. So we see every created thing. That includes the rocks. That includes the star. That includes um, the moon. That includes the sun. That includes the air, the, the wind, and the, the mountains, and the earth. And all the created things of God are, wor are, wor are worshiping things. All created things, those things that God has created, which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them, I heard saying. And so they're worshiping. So all creation is there. Could you imagine that? All of creation is there before God, worshiping him as they should. And here, and we have voices that we can use to worship our creator, to worship our Lord, to worship our 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 slain and risen Savior, um, who's exalted and lifted up and worshiping him. How much more should we be able to do that? How much more should we be able to give him the glory and the honor and the do that's it, do his name? We need to be able to give that to him because if we don't, we're, gonna, we're the ones that are going to be missing out. We're going to be missing out in our experience and our relationship with him. We're not going to have the healing in our souls and our lives that we so desire that eludes us so much. Because we don't take that time to worship him. We don't take that time to give him thanks. We don't take that time to bow before him and allow him to bring healing to our soul. Let's take that time and recognize, as they were saying to him who sits on the throne, it says here in verse 13, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Let's give those things to God. And the four living, verse 14, and the four living creatures kept saying, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And he kept saying, amen. And amen means so be it. Let it be. Let it be. And so be it. And so as a result of that, these elders and all of creation and all of the angels and the heavenly hosts are bowing down saying amen in an agreement with one another in the worship of God because when you're in the presence of God, there's nothing else that you can do. There's nothing else that you can accomplish. There's nothing else that you can um, do but worship God because when we're in heaven, that's what we're going to be doing for all eternity and we need to get prepared now. And we need to get prepared now because if we want real life and we want more abundant life, as the scripture says, then we need to learn how to worship and, and we need to learn how to focus on him and bow our hearts and bow our lives and, and bow our minds and bow our spirit before him and give him the due and the honor and the praise and the adoration that's due unto him and the thanksgiving that's due unto him. 
Because when we do, we get healing for our soul. And God gets the glory and God gets the honor. And when people see that we're healed, they're going to want what we have, won't they? Because they're going to see our lives healed. So I want to take, you know, I want to look at this and I want to we need to recognize who God is. We need to see Jesus and the Holy Spirit for who they are. We need to open up our eyes and worship God and see God for who he is. That means taking time in prayer. That means to spontaneously take time to be able to, to worship, walking down the street, washing your dishes, cooking, driving in the car, whatever. Take time to say, thank you, God. I praise you, God. I worship you, God, for what you have done and what you are doing. And then we and then number two is that we, we need to take lessons from the heavenly creatures and, and see how they worship God in light of who he is and how they view him. See him and worship him. We need to take lessons from those heavenly creatures and bow God, bow down before God. We need to read our scriptures and find out things about God, character about God, who he is, and we need to worship him for that. And then lastly, we not only need to see how heaven worships, but all of creation. What do they see that causes him to worship in such a way? What? How can we respond in the same way? In other words, they worship God because of who he, not only because of who he is, because of what he has done. He's done wonderful and marvelous things. And we need to as well. We need to worship him. We need to worship him. He's done wonderful things in our lives, folks. He has. He has. And as he's done wonderful things, we need to uh, exalt him and give praise to him for those things. So David, David, when they were bringing the ark into Jerusalem, he was dancing in his underwear. But he was worshiping God, and he, and he was exalting God because of the great things that God allowed them to get the ark back and be able to bring it into um, Jerusalem. And he was worshiping God. And he was praising God. David was a wonderful worshiper. He was one of the great examples of what a true worshiper is um, on this side of heaven. And so um, as we do these things, folks, God has so much in store for us. But we need to learn those little secrets of what it is, that, that how we can enter into all that God has prepared uh, for us. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, but God has prepared for those who love him. And as we learn to worship him, as we learn to enter into that place of worship like he did in heaven, we're going to begin to see, we're going to begin to hear, we're going to begin to experience all those things that no eye has seen nor ears heard. Because God's bringing us um, into those heavenly places. God's bringing us into those places where only he exists, and it's he and I, and we're there worshiping him. And it's he and us, and we're there worshiping him, and we're there as one with him. And what a wonderful experience, folks. I would challenge you to learn how to worship. Take time. It can just start with just thanksgiving. It could just say, God, I, I worship you because you have done wonderful things in my life. And start recounting. Count the blessing. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. That's worship. Singing to him. Sing hymns to him. That's worship. So many of these things are forms of worship. And just... Do whenever, because God has wonderful things for us. Amen? He really does. And I just, if you don't know the Lord, I would just encourage you to just take time to pray a simple prayer with me, um, which says, Jesus, pray along with me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've sinned against you. I've hurt you. I've transgressed against you. I've missed the mark. Please, Jesus, forgive me and show me mercy for my sins. Uh, wash me clean with the blood of your son, Jesus. I ask that you would come inside my life and take control of my life to be my Lord and to be my Savior. 
Jesus, thank you for coming into my life and taking control. I yield all my all that I am unto you, and I and I want to live for you all the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, Amen. And if you're and if you know if you know the Lord, but you haven't really experienced His presence, you haven't really learned how to worship. Um, let's just pray a simple prayer here, Jesus. I, I thank you that I know you, Jesus. But Jesus, uh, please help me to just learn how to be a, a true worshiper of you. Thank you for all the wonderful things you've done in my life. Thank you for the things you are doing and you will do. And Jesus, help me to learn to recognize those things, recognize your character and recognize who you are. Um, Jesus, do a work in my soul, bring healing to my soul, we pray. Thank you, Jesus, and we love you and we worship you, O oh God. And Father, um, as we close out in prayer, um, uh, let's pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. What a wonderful blessing it is being here with you today. Um, we know that God's going to do some wonderful things in our lives, and we just need to pray that God's going to do uh, great and supernatural and wonderful things for us. Amen. May his peace and his joy be with you. Amen.